Justin Nipper and Carlos Twitter. Hey, it's Justin. Welcome. You're listening to the G1 Cast, presented by FightGameMedia.com and the Fight Game Podcast. What's up, everyone? Today was day six of New Japan's G1 Climax 30, and I just finished a few hours ago. We're actually back at Kurokan Hall in Tokyo for two cards starting from today. We started at the B Block today. Uh, Tetsuya Naito and Hiroki Goto headlined the first show in a good match, a great match. Naito pinned Goto after Destino, just over 20 minutes. And, and, Toruyano defeated Evil. Toruyano defeated Evil in under 10 minutes, too. After a cascade of low blows between Evil and Dick Togo and Yano and Yano again. We'll explain later. We'll explain later. Um, so, yeah, Yano and Naito are tied at the top of the B block right now. Imagine that. I hope any of you listeners out there who are doing brackets are not totally devastated. But I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so besides Fightful.com and many other sites, you can find Carlos on Twitter at CarlosToro360. And I'm Justin M. Nipper on Twitter, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. All right. On that note, let's just jump into the show. Hello. Welcome back. Day six, G1 Climax 30. I'm back with Carlos Toro, Fightful.com, CarlosToroMedia.com. Wait, is it .com or is it just on YouTube? Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> I got hasty. Sorry. Sorry, Carlos. Welcome, Carlos. What's up? How are you doing? They're pretty good. It's uh, really excited to you guys talk about the G1 Day 6. And uh, it's been a somewhat eventful day, you know, not uh, for New Japan, not just talking about the, the G1. Yeah, so, yeah, we were just talking about that uh, a few minutes ago. So there's been some news uh, as of yesterday slash today. Uh, CEO slash acting president Harold May has stepped down and Takami Obari, who is heading up the New Japan USA project right now, he'll be taking over from October 24th. Um, Carlos, what do you think of that? Was, I think a lot of people in general were not shocked, but it just kind of came out of nowhere. But um, what are your general, because we're not going to get too deep into it, although we could, but general thoughts, what, what are you thinking? How yeah, I mean, you? look, this was a, I, I don't, I'm not really surprised that May is no longer uh, president of New Japan, but I was a little surprised at the timing of it all. I do know that, you know, it came off right at the end of a quarter. So it's possible that the financial uh, situation, whatever that may be, could have played a an immediate role. But uh, this was not something that just came out of left field. May has been sort of rumored that he may be stepping down as New Japan president even last year. So it's been it's been an interesting experiment, uh, to say the least. It, it, oh, I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of people, including myself, kind of thought that May coming on board when he fir- when it was first announced that he was going to be the new president in May 2018, 
it, it just kind of felt like it was a, an out of left field type of announcement. You never, uh, this was not the type of guy that you would expect to be running New Japan. And obviously this 2018 was the time where New Japan was really trying to expand into the Americas. They were trying to, you know, they got, they had the MSG show. They were trying to start up the New Japan USA project. And obviously everything's kind of been put on hold as far as expansion goes because because of the pandemic and obviously it's been a difficult situation because they don't have the elite which i think new japan was really banking on to make a huge splash on the new japan usa scene so and it also doesn't help that new japan right now doesn't have a television deal in the united states that deal with access uh is gone they're only doing shows on new japan world which is not bad but you're not going to get a lot of new fans just by having your American product on New Japan World, you're going to need at some point a television deal in the United States in order to make sure to you get a chance to expand the, the New Japan USA project or at the very least have some type of television presence, which, you know, I think this is where the speculation with AEW, the whole thing with them, that was kind of sort of rumored uh, for uh, right when Jericho was facing Tanahashi, that whole storyline that Tanahashi could have potentially uh, had a match in AEW, but that, that's neither here nor there. It's it's an interesting timing uh, of all this, but it, I'm curious to see what this means for the USA project. Yeah, there's so many different ways we can talk about. There's so many different like paths this might open up. I don't know. So I think it's too soon to really give any for me to give any serious thought to what's going to happen. Although um, from what I've been told and from what Harold or from how Harold May um, was presented in public and I just don't think that this was ever really going to be a long-term thing for new Japan. This I don't know what it was. I'm not. I'm not involved with their business. Yeah. But. No. It, no. I, I kind of get what you mean. This. There was always something off about right. this uh, Harold May New Japan situation. Not necessarily putting the blame on either side. There was just something that, like, at least from a public eye, it just there was something off that you couldn't quite put your uh, put your hand in. It just. It, it just. There was something that like just didn't feel right. Not necessarily. It maybe it could have been the fact that. You know, New Japan had never had a, a, a non-Japanese president before or just the direction that the company was trying to go to as far as expansion goes. It there, there were just something that it just didn't click. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that just because it didn't click, it we felt bad or whatever. I mean, I don't think it was a bad thing or a good thing. I don't know. But, it, like, you're, you're right. It, it just didn't feel... I don't know. It, there was something to it that just didn't feel natural. But again, I, I, I want to use a better word for it, but I can't think of one right now that makes it sound like it's negative because, listen, I mean, they've been New Japan's been doing great business-wise, I think better than they have since the 90s, and May was there for that. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't think that he is completely, you know, ineffective or anything. Um, but, I, okay, I don't know. But somebody told me once that, like, he wasn't even smartened up by Jado and Gato, like, and they wouldn't let him in the backstage area. 
and he would be going and doing interviews in Japanese and kind of putting the product over like it's real. So when you think of it like that, you, you think like, okay, he's here for a reason, but he's not meant to go beyond a certain boundary within the company. And I'm, again, I'm speculating. I'm, I just cover the company, but I know that there are divisions within the company, like any company, because this company isn't just owned by New Japan. It's owned by TV Asahi. There are a lot of stakeholders in this too. So, well, not a lot, but enough to create groups. And from there, that's where I, I don't know. That's the speculation. I don't have any other, you know, resources to to kind of expand on. But, you know, from talking to people that work in the industry and work near the company and in Japan, it's just, that's the sense that I got. And that's the sense that I get. But I hope, uh, I wish Harold May good luck. And it seems like this could have possibly been in the works anyway. So we'll see what happens. I have no idea what else to say other than I think we just have to wait and see until October. Because I guess technically he is uh, still acting president until next month. Yeah, it's uh, it, it'll be. I don't really think anything that he's gonna do in the next month that's really gonna change the outlook or anything. So it's uh, he is kind of effectively out. So it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Yeah. So guys, keep listening to us. We'll, we'll keep you posted if we hear anything or feel that there are any developments or see any developments. So yeah, this just came out of like twelve hours ago. So this is a developing story. So we'll keep you posted. But otherwise, let's get to the action. All right. Back at Corken Hall, day six. It was a good show today. Uh, we opened up with Gabriel Kidd and Yuya Uemura. I thought this was an upset. I thought Yuya Uemura getting the win over Gabriel Kidd with the Boston Crab was a little surprising. I don't think he has he beaten Gabriel Kidd yet this on this G1 run. Uh, as far as I can remember, no. I think Gabriel Kidd's only loss prior to this was to Yoda Suji. Yeah. So. I thought that was cool. Um, I can watch all three of these guys, these C-block guys, as we've been calling them. I can watch them wrestle all the time. I felt like, again, we've already done a couple podcasts where we described what these matches are like, but it was more of that. Just, I think slowly they're developing and adding a few extra moves to these six, seven-minute matches. I, I noticed today Gabriel Kidd going a little heavier on the uh, British-style, uh, interesting, innovative submission locks, like that half cravat with a, a hammer lock that he, he bridged into later. It was a very fancy-looking, very cool-looking. I think he even got a round of applause when he did that because it looked so interesting and and fresh so uh, these matches are cool and they're not developing in this drastic way they're slowly developing with these little nuances each of the wrestlers are adding a little bit more to their arsenal with each day that goes on what was your take on this carlos anything different from like the past couple days or no i mean this was about as you know we keep saying in every show, if you've seen one line, a young Lions match in the G1 tour, you've mostly seen all of them. It, they're not bad, not bad. But one thing I did like was how Yuya Uemura didn't just win with your Boston Crab that a lot of some of the younger guys in New Japan have. The, he tries to go for the Boston Crab, and Gabriel Kidd tries to get out of it and crawls the ropes, and then he kind of transitions, Yoemura kind of transitions it into a sort of 
lion tamer type of submission where he just kind of had the the knee driving it up to the the upper back it sort of closer to the neck area which i thought was really really cool that they introduced that into this match because i don't think Uemura has won any matches with that i mean i could be wrong but that that i thought that was really cool and believe me when i tell you this getting hit with the lion tamer hurts like a mother effer oh yeah yeah it like like i'm not a well-trained professional wrestler or anything like that but i've taken a boston crab Mm. you can take it it's fine but if you put the lion tamer in it puts such an incredible amount of pressure to the point where um that the knee is driving to like that's in like you almost like have to tap like immediately well yeah i I think uh at the end of the day real fake whatever people using these words when your body bends that way and it's not supposed to, it's going to hurt regardless of uh, what art you're using or or whatever. When your body bends like a Gumby, it's not, it's not good. But uh, those guys that we saw last night, those guys are very flexible and in good shape and and they'll be fine. So we're not that worried about them, but yeah, you're right. That, that finish did look really brutal. And I'm curious, I'm curious to know from this year, how many Boston Crab finishes we've gotten in New Japan? Probably more, more than ever. I'm assuming. Yeah, it, it does kind of feel that way at the very least. It, I, I don't know how like much I'm it was. About it a lot. Yeah, I don't know how much that was common pre-pandemic, but since the pandemic, it certainly has been pretty common. Yeah, but this was great. Uh, first win for Weimura. I hope he um, can. I feel like Tsuji and Kid. Are they outrank him a little bit? I feel like not because of the, I mean, including the booking of the way he's booked, but also just do you feel like he's lacking something still compared to the two other guys? I, I, I well, I'll say this I think Yorosuji is a slightly better wrestler than Yuya Uemura, mm-hmm. and I think that Gabriel Kidd carries a level of intensity that the crowd loves and reacts very positive to, positive yeah, positively to i can hmm. uh, words today <laughs> that's okay but and, and it's a trait that uemura is still trying to sort of master with and i think that's just comes with experience because the whole thing with gabriel kid is that he's not your typical young lion the kid you know has been in the uk for years and it's not like he would just training uh, training and just doing small shows he was a part of some major promotions in the uk and working with a lot of big talent there so it's almost like he's coming into this as a young line but already with a major excursion under his belt which i think is why gabriel kidd is able to look better in these matches than most of his young line counterparts it's just mainly the experience, which I think Yuya Uemura is going to get the more he does these kinds of matches. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of their matches, maybe in a week or two. I want to see how uh, far they go or how they develop or if it just stays at the status quo where we're at right now. I don't know. It's an interesting side story to to the G1 this year. I, I like it. And actually, that's a good segue. Woo! Yoshihashi defeated Sanada in... Um, 
B block action for the first match last night when the B block action started. Yoshihashi won. He so he kind of surprised us a few nights ago and almost beat evil, but it didn't work out. But tonight, Yoshihashi defeated Sanada in what wasn't a, the greatest match ever, but it was pretty damn good, I thought. What did you think of this one? You know what? Uh, we kind of have been joshing a little bit on Yoshihashi before the tournament. And That's right. I'll, yes. But you know what? More than anything, Yoshihashi has proven that at, he can work as a serviceable mid-card babyface. Like, this match was good. Not great, but for a Yoshihashi match, it was pretty good for the most part. And it showed this match more than anything showed that Yoshihashi is a good enough of a baby face to be able to, you know, wrestle from behind and get the crowd going and believe in his role as the underdog. And there was a couple of moments in this match where it really looked like Sonata was going to win. Like maybe probably no better example was when he was applying the skull end and, and there was locked real tight. And it looked like for a brief moment that Yoshihashi like passed out and then just immediately got back into the crowd, saw that and just quickly got behind and really started to rally behind Yoshihashi. So New Japan has really been trying to put over Yoshihashi as a serviceable mid-carder babyface. And I would say it's working, beating Sonata and almost beating Evil in a match that also proved that the crowd really responds to Yoshihashi. It was, uh, it, it, you know, it's a good sign for Yoshihashi. More than anything, he's not going to win the G1, but the experience of being able to work in so many singles matches and get the confidence that he's been getting in these matches, that's going to pay a lot of dividends down the road. Yeah, that was a great point about the, um, uh, what's it called, the skull end spot. Uh, I thought Yoshihashi tapped at one point. I thought he was waving his arm at first. I thought it was going to be an immediate tap, but that was a really exciting point of the match. And then, yeah, Yoshihashi is, I think he's more than serviceable. I mean, everyone, you know, we bust on him because, I don't know, it's easy to, and that's just how it is. But this guy can wrestle. There's a reason he's he's been there. And I think, you know, we perceive Sonata one way and we perceive Yoshihashi one way, but in this match, these guys were these they felt like equals. They were equals as wrestlers. Yoshihashi belonged with Sanada. There was no like um interruption in the pace or like you know, sometimes you watch a match and you you can kind of tell after a while one wrestler might be trying to keep up with the other. Like one person is setting the pace and the other person seems to follow. This was they were right on like neck and neck with each other pace the entire time. Um the near falls were great. Sonata is a master at the 2.99 kick out. He's very good at that. Um, I I don't know what's up with this um, losing streak he's on right now. I didn't really expect that. What you uh, What are you thinking on this Sonata 0-3 start? I, I got to be honest with you. I thought this was going to be his G1 where he's just going to break out and do really, really well. Not necessarily win it, but go like 6-3 get some really good wins under his belt. Boy, I could not have been more wrong, but it's, you know, if you look back at the history of Sonata and the G1, this is kind of more or less been the the story of Sonata. I mean, he has been, and I, and I look back and it's like, 
how bad is this start for Sonata compared to his past G1s? And it's pretty bad. But then you look at how he finishes in every single G1, and it's like in terms of wins and losses, Sonata may be about as pedestrian a wrestler <laughs> as you can possibly get in the G1 in recent memory. Every single G1, and I checked, and I couldn't believe it. Every single G1, he's finished with a 4-5 and five record, 8 points. Every single one, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, all with the same record and all with the same amount of points. That's interesting. It's. I wonder if he were to finish one year with a, a different record or a winning record. I wonder if the crowd would perceive him a certain way or they would still look at him the same way. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's with Sanada. I, he's kind of a conundrum to me because he's so obviously talented. He's always been talented. He's clearly talented, but he's never been able in my eyes to snatch that, uh, the charisma that he needs to get to the, you know, the, the top of the food chain and, and be thought of as the guy. I don't know why. And I want. I always wonder: Is it the booking? Is it just his personality? Is it timing? Maybe all three. I don't know. But with this situation, we have to remember that the destination for Sanada at the end of the tournament, no matter what happens to him, his final match will be against Evil, his ex tag team partner. So I think I don't know how this will all tie in, but I feel like this is the beginning of the story. And the end of this summer story or fall story will will wrap at Corican in a couple of weeks when he's uh, facing evil, and we'll have a little more context because he'll have a different record. Uh, I don't know yeah, if he'll continue and, to lose, but yeah, and it's going to be interesting because you look at the list of names that Sonata has until we get to evil, and it's Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, Juice, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, and of course he's going to pick up a few wins, but on paper, like if you go match by match, he could theoretically lose every single one and it wouldn't really be a huge shocker. That's right. Although for the next match, I have a feeling that, that the losing streak might end because yeah, I, I, I'm going to say this right now. I think Sonata beats Naito. I, I agree with you. I'm going to, I'll lock that in alongside you. I, I also think that, so this show is going to be in Niigata. This is his, his home his home city. They they go crazy for Sanada here. If if you watch the um the New Japan Cup last year, the two oh, matches yeah. with Okada, they were both in Niigata. That that yeah, was yeah, and it felt like it was, was made so behind them. He and he ended the night and he cut a promo and everything, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we might see something similar to this. We could. I mean, of course, the circumstances are gonna be a lot different because it's 2020 and we have a different situation happening, but even still, I think we're going to get uh, more of a spotlight on Sanada. It's going to be the Sanada show in a couple. I think it's a Thursday. Yeah. So we'll see. But that was only the first match of last night. We moved on. Next match we had last night. We had um, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kenta. Kenta. Yeah. This I said la- a couple nights ago, I, I really liked the Ishii and um, Kota Ibushi match. But I don't with this Zach and Kenta match, um, they're so different. Those two, like the match that I just mentioned and this Kenta Zach match. But for me, just in my taste, I loved, loved, loved this match. I loved that 
it felt like you were watching like a Pancrase or UWF or something. And it's cool because Kazuyu, uh, Kazuyo Yamazaki was doing the commentary for New Japan World during this match. He was in UWF and all that good stuff. So it felt great. These guys complement each other so perfectly too. I, I, I can't think of uh, anybody who should continue wrestling Zach because anytime Zach gets in the ring with somebody, uh, his style sometimes makes him look so dominant and realistic over uh, a more pro wrestling type pro wrestler. But with Kenta, with the more realistic style, it feels like, oh, I really don't know what could happen because these guys look very evenly matched. They're pretty similar in size too. So what was your take on this compared with, I guess, a lot of the other matches in the G1? I guess this would only be comparable to a match like Ishii and Suzuki on one of the earlier nights, but it still it was very different from that too. It was much more technical. Yeah, it was it was a lot more technical. I love that Kenta at the very start of the match wasn't trying to impose his will on Sex Saber Jr. He was inviting Sex Saber Jr. to try to out wrestle him on the mat. Like he just sat on the on the canvas and just invited him to try to do his typical Zack Sabre Jr. stuff on him and the back and forth between the two of them at the start was pretty good for the most part. Like I, I actually rewatched the beginning of the match to sort of get, make sure I have my feelings across pretty well. And overall, I came up pretty positive towards the match. I thought that, you know, Kenta is a guy who, is, his style is very realistic, but at the same time, he is, he's gotten into the rhythm of the New Japan style and working at the pace that some of these upper level guys that he's able to adjust almost on the fly with whatever style is put in front of him. And I thought that this was a match where both guys looked pretty good. Uh, I don't want to say like, I'm surprised that, that Kenta won because we do have to remember he does hold the IWGP us heavyweight briefcase. So you can't have him lose too much. Maybe if he didn't have it, I probably would have been more, probable that Zack Sabre Jr. would have won. But yeah, I mean, it, keep, it keeps Kenta strong. It doesn't necessarily make Zack Sabre Jr. look bad. This was a match where, you know, Sabre Jr.'s uh, stock didn't go, da- didn't go down, but it didn't go up. I think it stayed a nice, even level. It was a good match. This is about as much what I can say. It's a really good match. Yeah, and it was perfect for a tournament like this because they were both great. Everyone enjoyed the match, and nobody really lost face in terms of the the current New Japan context. You know, like you said, Kenta has the the briefcase. Zach is doing his. I think Zach is tag team champion. You know, it was just a, a great challenge or a test between the two, and then we move on to other matches. So I think that's one cool thing that you can get out of these tournaments too is that. Um, if you're telling a story, you can get two guys together and it won't interrupt anything and you can still have a wrestling match. You can still throw on a card. So it's a cool way to think about it. Okay, next was a match that I thought actually should have been on, been flip-flopped with Zach and Kenta, was Juice Robinson and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And Tanahashi won with a kind of a surprise roll-up win over the new Juice. The new Juice who has been looking really strong and they're really... It's obvious what they're doing. It's obvious how Juice is the guy right now. They want him to rebuild himself into the new wife-beater-wearing guy. What would you think of this one? This was 
good. It was entertaining at times, but it did, it felt like these guys, like compared to the match that they had a while while back, I think it was a New Japan Cup in 2018, and that that match was really really good. This match, it I don't know, it, it just felt like it had a, like a more chill, like less serious vibe. Like you saw at the start of the match, and, and Tanahashi. Like he was cool, calm, and collected, and all he was doing was just showing off his his physique and just kind of like just robing in front of the fans at Corrigan. And it was I mean, it was a good match. There was a moment then later, uh, late, like almost at the very end, where Tanahashi did a crossbody and Juice reverses it into a pin. And I may be misremembering, but but it but it went, but it was like a really really good like two point nine count that I thought the match was gonna be over then and there, but then Tanahashi just kind of goes for that you know a surprise roll up, and you know I under nor under other circumstances I would have said this was a little bit of a surprise, but. Even as much as we say that Tanahashi, aside from the years that he's won the G1, he doesn't really do that well, but I don't think it would be the best idea just to have Tanahashi just all of a sudden looking as fresh and as good as he's looked, especially coming out of the Naito match, to have him start 0-3. Like, it sucks that have to come at, a, at the expense of a Juice Robinson win, but overall, this was a good match. I don't think these guys were having, you know, were... I don't want to say like they were taking it easy, but they weren't trying to go for a five-star classic. No, I thought this was more about telling the crowd about their characters, that kind of match. The wrestling was great, but it wasn't anything that we haven't seen before. It was just solid pro wrestling, different from what we had just seen with uh, Zach and Kenta. It was more, you know, pro wrestling, pro wrestling, but... I thought that this functioned to show off that Juice is more serious now. He's a legit contender and he can hang with somebody like Tanahashi. I, I might be wrong on this, but I recall when Juice came to New Japan and he was training again at the New Japan Dojo. I think Tanahashi helped him out a lot or it like was what it, like his uh, senpai or something. I, I could be wrong, but I think that might be part of the story too where he almost beat his, you know, his mentor, but the mentor got away quick with a surprise um, cradle pin. But yeah, it was good. It served a purpose. I think if I were in charge of the show, I would have put up, probably put it on earlier just because of the pace. It was kind of a medium pace match. Uh, and it was more about, you know, facial expressions and connecting with the crowd over fast action. So yeah, but and that, the crowd and the crowd was receptive. They were, yeah. you know, both these guys, both these guys are very charismatic, very likable. And yeah, I probably agree. Like hindsight being twenty twenty, but like I think I would have put this match a little earlier and maybe put the the Kenta Zack Saber Jr. match in this place, considering the next match. Yes, I guess if you want to call it that, that match, like you put the next match, and then you also had this match between Tanahashi and Juice. It was a very a little bit of a weird pacing. Not bad, it was just a little weird. Mm. But that, that I think that's us being really, uh, we're, we're being fussy over it because it's not to say <laughs> it was bad at all. I mean, I, I completely agree with you, but then I have to always look back and go, 
well, at the end of the day, there was nothing really wrong with this. This was very good. So mm-hmm. if, if, if you're going to watch any, if you can't watch the entire card today, I wouldn't recommend that. I would probably recommend the next match because of its content and its length. How about we just jump right into that match? So, okay, by the way, so Tanahashi defeated Juice Robinson in a good match. And moving on, the semi-main, Toru Yano defeated Evil after a cascade of low blows in the ring. Low blow after low blow after low blow. How surprised were you when you saw that? Because I told you before we record on the air, it's like, I'm not going to tell you which one, but there's going to be a real big upset that I was not expecting on this show. And this was the match I was referring to. Well, it's that, okay, that's funny because I, when we were talking, it was before I, I'd only watched the Gabriel Kidd and Uemura match. So when you said that, I was like, oh, he must be talking about the Yoshihashi match because I wasn't surprised <laughs> at all. When uh, could be, I wasn't surprised only because when during that last sequence where everyone was just kind of like, punching each other in the balls. I knew then, like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. This is this is Yano's match. And because of the patterns from the two other matches, like, he's already beaten Hiroshi Tanahashi, so him beating Evil, for me, I was like, I mean, I can believe it. He's yeah, it's not, not a surprising, but like... But I know what you mean. It, it, it's not what we expect. Like, you would not, like, I don't think anyone would have expected, oh yeah, Toriyama is going to be Sonata, Tanahashi, and Evil all in quick succession. I have a feeling that a lot of people that made uh, brackets of their own or did pickums are really upset with Toriyama right now <laughs> because I really think he must have he he had to ruin so many. I well, mean, when I, we call when we call Toriyama the spoiler for the G one, we weren't just referring to the wrestlers. Yeah, the the bracket members too. Bracket. Uh, Taker parters. Sorry, my English is, I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> it's the weed whacker I was telling you about outside earlier. It threw me off. Okay, but yeah, so okay. So the Toriyano match with Evil was relatively short. They started ripping the ring posts off from the get-go. Uh, be, I mean, before the finish, did we see anything that was kind of like out of out of the norm for Toriyana. I thought it was a Toriyana style match in the G1, like a, yeah, a mad was, dash. This literally, yeah, I was going to say, this was literally, okay, what are Toriyano's like biggest things, especially in this G1 with the comedy? Tape, we, you got it. Ring pose off, sure. And low blows, that's about it. The only thing that was missing is a a 100 meter sprint to the ring, but that's because <laughs> they're in Corican Hall. There's no way you can make that work. Yeah, you'd have to do um, laps. Or I mean, maybe it's possible. You could do that. upstairs I mean, and downstairs, maybe. I mean, it is possible, but I mean, given how lax the referees can be with the <laughs> with, with the twenty count in this tournament, I I wouldn't have doubted it. But that's fair. Yeah, this was this was every Toriano match condensed into a five minute sprint with some bully club interference with Dick Togo. It just about it like have you ever seen the Toriano match like this is exactly what it was it's not much of a surprise it, like the only thing was Toriano winning and going three and no and somehow having more wins than guys like Okada and Tanahashi <laughs> and like and all these top guys I think the only ones who are still three and no if I remember correctly are Jay White 
and Naito. I think Tai Chi. And Tai Chi, Tai Chi. Tai Chi yeah. too. He's three and zero. I think the thing that set this part of ma- or this match apart is just that it was a kind of a feel good match, just simply for the reason of Dick Togo and Evil and what they've been doing all summer. Only Jay White and Gato compare, and like you know the, the foolishness around the ring. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans there felt like, hey it was that sweet revenge feeling that we can always enjoy through wrestling. Oh, you got your comeuppance. You got what you deserve for, you know, being a bad, for being bad parejas and Mm -hmm. of anybody to serve the justice, how sweet it is to be with Yano serving up the justice. That's funny. But aside from that, the match didn't really uh, deviate from his other styles of matches. It was just a Yano match. It had that extra little, kick to the end but it was pretty quick and it led right to the main event which was it was a rematch from last year Korkun uh, Naito and Hiroki Goto uh, and the finish was I don't know if it was the same but Naito definitely it was a great match he won um, I don't have much else to say because if you've seen their matches from last year it was just a good match between the two Naito looks life and he looks healthier than he has since last year. Did you Physically take anything away from tremendous. this? Yeah, yeah. Com- compared to in the pa- uh, in the more recent past, Goto too. Yeah, and it helps that because we mentioned this about Tanahashi and Suzuki in prior shows, but the pandemic has really helped some of these guys with the rest. Because we mentioned Tanahashi's history with injuries, but Naito's also a guy who's been pretty banged up for the last few years and to be able to still do all these great matches while banged up is probably short of a miracle but but i get that's just also a testament to how great he is and this is a really good match between him and goto i did not expect anything less from these two it was you know it naito has been has really emerged as arguably the mvp of this entire tournament because he's yet to have anything less than a great match in the three matches that it's had. And Goto was the perfect, like, I, I do want to say, like, in combat sports, like, there's an A side and there's a B side. Like, mm-hmm. Naito was the perfect A side and Goto was, like, the perfect B side. Like, he was a guy that wasn't necessarily going to go 50-50 on, on Naito, but he was a guy who was able to wrestle from behind, gain some momentum, make it a pretty competitive match, sort of towards the middle and end parts of the match. And, and Naito looks good in being sort of fairly dominant as the double champion and Goto looks really, really good. Another case of like Goto try, didn't necessarily lose anything in his stock as far as taking a loss to Naito. But I don't know. This was just... You know, if, if you've seen some of their previous matches, and these two have a long, long history uh, in terms of having singles matches, but this was a this was a very solid, solid main event. Not the greatest main event, but very, very solid. Uh, easily the best match of the night. Am I fair? Yeah, sure. That's definitely fair because I mean, personally, I like Zach and Kenta, but at, this felt like a main event match. And I think to your point about Naito just this year, he 
has felt like the only real main eventer in the tournament so far. And I'm trying, like, I'm trying to make sense of that more. Mm. You no, know, it makes sense like because on, look, Ta- Tanahashi hmm. has been in in doing tag uh, tag matches throughout the year, and Okada has you know has never been this cooled off in a very 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 long time. Like yeah. Okada is already like beyond established at this point. But as far as like momentum at this point, he he really has nothing. And Evil hasn't really caught on fire as much as probably some people in New Japan would have hoped. So yeah, I, I get what you mean. Naito really does look like the only like real main eventer in New Japan at the moment. Or at least in the B block. I mean, A block, you could argue between Ibushi and Jay White, but they're doing their own story right now. So I guess let's let's limit it right now for at least the B block matches. Sure. He definitely, I mean, ever since the Tanahashi match, like that felt really big time. And none of Tanahashi's matches have felt big time after that, but Naito's have. And I don't know if it's just because of him or because of his uh, matchups, like his opponents. I don't know, but props to him because he's been great. He's really, he's really impressive. And... This was a hell of a match for sure. Um, Goto, when he's with somebody great like Naito, he can really, he impresses me usually. But um, I don't know. I'm back and forth on Goto, but this was good. This was really good. So. Yeah. I mean, Goto's not necessarily like, he's not leading man material, but like if you put him up there with guys like Naito and Okada and Tanahashi and Shingo Takagi, like those guys, like he's gonna produce incredible matches. It's just you put him on that other side, like I mentioned, like the A side. It doesn't necessarily translate as well as when Goto is like the B side or the other half uh, of a big match. Yeah, I think we're gonna have more to tease out and talk about this Thursday when we see the next block matches in Niigata, the B block matches. So, but yeah. Goto's story. It's cool that everybody kind of has their own little story and coming out of this, no matter what, win or lose, they're all going to have developed something in their wrestling characters. So we're going to keep following that and picking it apart for you. Um, So I I think we'll have more to talk about on that on Thursday. But for today, I think we're going to wrap now, but we'll be back tomorrow for A Block action. Um, Tomorrow is another Cork and Hall match or Cork and Hall card. And I believe I don't have it in front of me, but I believe the headliner is Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. Is that the match? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, I can, I, I do have the, the, the match card, uh, not necessarily the order, but it uh, excuse is, excuse me. I was wrong, but please go ahead. Okay. Um, so the match card is as follows. Yoda Suji versus Yuya Uemura. Minoru Suzuki versus Yujiro Takahashi, Kota Ibushi versus Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada versus Taichi, Will Ospreay versus Jay White, and Tomohiro Ishii and Shingo Takagi. Okay, so I, I was wrong about Ibushi versus Osprey. That'll come up some other time, but this... Oh, man. This and is and to answer your question, it, Ishii versus Takagi is the main event. Yes, and that was... That was a main event last year in last year's G1 too. And a lot of people had it as their match of the year last year. Um, I remember it mostly for Ishii and Takagi headbutting each other on the ground. Like they were dogfighting, just headbutting each other. Uh, I want to see more of that. We'll see some action, (laughs) but we'll talk about that more soon tomorrow.
sooner than you think. So for now, we'll sign off. We'll see you in a couple hours. For Carlos, I'm Justin. Sayonara.